Welcome to TSCRA Talk, a podcast by Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. I'm your host, Kristen Brown. Joining us this month is Caleb McLaurin, TSCRA's Director of Government Relations, to give us an update on the 86th Texas Legislative Session. This episode of TSCRA Talk is sponsored by Landvisor from Corteva AgriScience. Landvisor Advanced Breast Management provides a whole new way to see the potential of your land. Landvisor combines sophisticated imagery, data, technology, and expert guidance to give you confidence in your land management decisions. To learn more, visit landvisor.corteva.com or click the link in the show notes. Caleb, welcome to TSCRA Talk. Thank you for having me this morning. I'm very excited to have you with us today to talk through the legislative session this year. I know things likely look a little bit different with the past year that we've had, COVID-19. Let's just dive right in. Talk us through how COVID is impacting the legislative session this year. It has impacted every nook and cranny of the state capitol in multiple different ways. And so I guess First, mo- uh, first off, just from the physical aspects of it, you know, the public's access to the Capitol and to hearing rooms and our ability to, to walk the halls and work with legislative offices looked a lot differently this session than any other sessions past. So, for instance, when you look, our, our Texas legislative se- session actually started on Tuesday, January 12th. And uh, at first, they weren't allowing anyone into the building. And so the public really wasn't welcome into the building. We as, as staff or trade organizations that, are, that typically work over there every single day weren't allowed in. They have DPS. At first, they had the State Guard and National Guard posted up in fatigues. They have the sidewalks gated off, doors barricaded and just weren't letting anyone in until the legislative body had an opportunity to establish some rules on how they would conduct their business amidst the COVID-19 epidemic. And so with that, it took a few weeks to kind of figure out how they're going to operate, after which they actually set up some military-style tents. They're almost like military hospital barracks, I guess, perhaps on the north side of the Capitol, and and they have continued to lock down all of the other points of entry into the building. And so currently today, if you were to come to Austin and try to testify on a bill, you go to the north entrance, which is the only entrance that's open, and there's a couple of tents set up out there. And every single day, me and everyone else here in the Austin office go into one of those tents. We do some nasal swabs take a COVID-19 test and wait 15 minutes. Us and everybody else over there gather together and wait for our COVID-19 test results before we're given a wristband and can get access to the building. And once you're in, you know, you have to remember, we also had George Floyd and riots and a lot of other things that happened during this pandemic. And so once you're in there, there's a lot more of a military and DPS presence. And so you've got A lot of DPS officers walking around with, you know, M4s, military looking top rifles that you didn't see that in sessions past and previously. So there's a a lot greater law enforcement and military top presence in the building and obviously a a lot more concerns when it comes to, you know, transmitting diseases and, and making sure everyone has their masks on and making sure everyone's been tested or vaccinated before entering the building. And then you look at that from a policy perspective. Obviously, that's had a a 
COVID-19 had a very significant impact on the building and that from that point of view as well, you know, we we're on kind of a delayed start because it took the legislative body a minute to figure out how we're going to conduct business. And then once that happened, you look at a lot of the bills filed, uh, a lot of them are related to, you know, something in the COVID-19 arena. And so I know we've had a lot of hearings in the, in recent weeks in both the house and the Senate about outbreaks in nursing home facilities and, you know, what can and can't the government um, step in and stop you from doing in your daily lives as a result of an outbreak like this. And and a bunch of these t- different pieces of legislation really sucked a lot of the air and capacity bandwidth and, and energy out of that building. And speaking of bandwidth, what wasn't taking up members' times working about the direct impacts of COVID-19, a lot of their additional efforts were working on access to broadband and how that, you know, the need of, of Texans to get that access for school children who are trying to get access to the internet and folks trying to work from home, that that also took up a big piece of it. So you see a lot of broadband access bills, uh, making sure that, you know, we, we have the mechanisms and fundings to get people access to broadband and, and considering that a necessary, you know, utility versus kind of a... An, more of a necessity now moving forward. And so there's a lot of time and effort that's kind of been wrapped up in COVID-19 response. Well, that makes sense that it has impacted literally every aspect of work at the Capitol. The filing deadline for bills has passed now. So I anticipate that you'll have a pretty good feel for what should come up this session. We do. And oddly, when you look at bills, you know, they could begin filing bills as early as November Ninth, I believe. And so starting November 9th, you saw a few bills start to trickle in through the holidays into January and February. But that bill filing deadline was actually March 12th. And up until the last couple of weeks, it was very slow compared to previous sessions. And so you saw some bills coming in. Like I said, a lot of them related, if not to police using excessive force, kind of a response to George Floyd or response to COVID-19, there wasn't a whole lot of else being filed. However, you know, we also had uh, Winter Storm Uri to, to kick us off in 2021, which, you know, when you look at the capabilities of the Texas legislature and the issues they're able to deal with, everyone thought they were going to be completely maxed out on COVID response. And, and so I think because of that, nobody was really getting a lot of bills filed. And they're like, that's just what they're going to spend all their time on this session. And then all of a sudden we got hit with a winter storm a couple of weeks before bill filing deadline. And that brought up a whole new, you know, bunch of issues. I mean, ERCOT, PUC, pipelines freezing up, generators going down. And then it, it was very odd. It almost like it shocked the legislature back into gear because when we came back from that, couple things. One, everyone's like, oh my gosh, we've already had so much on our plate. Now we have all this to add to it. But also they started having committee meetings, which they had not had until that point. And they started referring bills to committee, which they had not done up until that point. And then all of a sudden a flood of legislation came in at the, at the ninth inning. And so when you look right before, you know, the days leading up to March 12th, 
there were literally thousands of bills filed there at the last moment. And so with that, you see a lot more diverse, a diversified bill packet, something that's a lot more similar to what we've seen in previous sessions. You obviously have a lot of stuff in response to COVID, in response to URI and these other things that we've been talking about. There's also a lot more bills just relating to kind of what I consider the the daily business and stuff that we typically tackle and and wrestle with over at the legislature. So now we we have over 7,000 bills that have been filed and we can go through those. We know roughly what the big issues are and can start breaking some of those bills down and working some of those issues. Well, and on that note, what are some of the top priorities for TSCRA this year? Well, one of which I don't, you know, our listeners here will not be surprised, but it's um, we're still working on eminent domain and that eminent domain reform. And so that's been, you know, has had its own challenges in sessions past, uh, especially so in this session. However, we've been we're really well positioned in the current leadership. You know, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick has he personally negotiated the Senate's eminent domain bill last year and which work turned out very favorably for landowners. And so we've got a lot of support there. And with Chairwoman Cole Course over in the Senate, who's carried that bill for us and has a bill filed over there this session. Additionally, you have Chairman Dwayne Burns, who's carried this issue for us in the House the last couple of sessions. He's now kind of on the leadership team. He's got a chairmanship. And, uh, and we feel like we have a great working relationship with Speaker Dade Phelan. We've worked with him on this and similar issues in the past, always had a great working relationship in the past. And, uh, and so we feel like we're really well positioned from that point. Obviously, the obstacles are, you know, especially following winter storm, URI, and the, the issues the pipelines had with freezing up and all of these different things certainly complicate matters. Um, but at this point, we're still very optimistic. We expect to have a House uh, hearing in the House soon on that bill and hope to be able to get something done. And so that's very much a priority, along with a few other things, one of which I've already mentioned, and that's access, uh, rural access to broadband. When you look at where I'm from in East Texas, or I know I was in Bay City a few weeks ago talking to the Matagorda Cattlemen's Association, and that was, you know, you have eminent domain and and now broadband are the two issues that everybody comes up and wants to talk to you about. That truly is a, a utility now versus, you know, a, a, just a benefit that you may or may not have. It's something that everybody needs access to. And so with that, we've been very engaged on a lot of those discussions. We've weighed in, provided testimony on bills on broadband, you know, and, and making sure that people's property rights are protected in some of those bills. Whenever you are you have, you know, communication companies or, you know, broadband service providers or electric cooperatives or whoever that's trying to get secure new easements and run broadband across people's properties. We're obviously engaged in that level, trying to protect those property rights, but also trying to ensure that that they have the mechanisms in place to be able to get broadband and, and our folks in rural Texas get access to broadband. Additionally, another big thing we've worked on is actually relating to animal import export facilities. And so that's something that TSURA is very much taking the lead on this session it's a huge animal health risk when you look at animals that are supposed to be being exported from the United States into Mexico. 
And when those animals are rejected for especially pest or disease presence and where those animals end up and who's following up on them to make sure they're not spreading animals, diseases or pests in Texas. And so that's one of the things that we've been working on. Another big issue that's gotten a lot of media attention recently, I think everybody will sympathize with is uh, we're, we're calling it truth in labeling, but it's a fake meat bill. And so we actually had a DSA director, Dustin Dean, who also has uh, Dean and Peeler Meats in South Texas, came. he came to testify a week or so ago in favor of House Bill 316 by Dr. Buckley, State Representative Buckley. And that bill would ensure that these animal, or I'm sorry, these plant-based protein products aren't trying to use the label beef or have cows on their labels and insinuating that they're beef and trying to to trade and market and enter into commerce on our good name and our brand identity. And then also ensuring that some of the cell cultured products which are being developed, that whenever they come to the U.S. market, that they're distinguishable by consumers so that when folks go to the shelves, they know that they're buying something that was printed out of a 3D printer in a factory somewhere versus a traditionally raised steak. That's a very important point. The Farm Animal Liability Act, I know, is another one that we've had some folks come in to testify in favor of that we've worked a lot on. And and I'll kind of wrap up with that because there are several priority bills for us this session. But when you look at the Farm Animal Liability Act, it essentially provided some liability tort protections for owners of livestock if those livestock cause any bodily injury or harm or death to someone. So for instance, if you're at a rodeo, you get trampled by a bull. If you're got you have kids in Houston showing and their show heifer kicks somebody that runs up behind them. Um, I'm sure a lot of our folks listening today has had that experience, as have I, that you know, you're not held liable whenever you're walking your calf to the show arena because it kicked somebody that, you know, was ran up behind it. We always interpreted that to apply to farmers and ranchers that had livestock on their place. However, there was a recent Supreme Court decision that overturned that and said that, no, that doesn't apply for farmers and ranchers, only for like shows, rodeos, those type of, uh, of events. And so we have a piece of legislation that Representative Andy Murr out of Junction, Texas, has already gotten out of committee and is trying to get it heard on the House floor that would ensure that we put things back to the way we originally thought they were and that those liability protections extend to ranchers with livestock on their property. Well, it sounds like y'all have a very full plate for the year that it's not slowing down at all. No, ma'am. And that's what's so bizarre is you know, we, when we led into this session, Nobody was filing bills. We didn't think that they were the legislature would have, have the capacity to get very much done. They were not meeting. They were not have committee meetings. And then all of a sudden, the literal the first day after Winter Storm Uri had kind of left and all the legislative body came back into Austin, we had meetings that went, you know, starting at eight o'clock in the morning and went past midnight. And and it's been operating at that accelerated speed ever since. And so, yes, ma'am, all of a sudden our bill packet and our priority issues started to lengthen and we've got a lot to keep us busy this legislative session. Caleb, talk us through how members and listeners can engage and stay involved with these issues. 
Absolutely. I know one thing that that we try to do weekly is the View from Austin, which is a blog that Jeremy Fox in our office puts together. And it tries to brief all of our our members and the, and the listeners here on this podcast about you know where we are today. What what happened this week? What bills are we working on? What are what hearings are coming up that we're you know concerned with? Where do we need help from our membership? You know, folks that may not be TSRA members but are just very engaged on some of the subject matters we're working on. And so we try to keep our folks updated because of that. If you are a TSRA member, you know, that goes out weekly in the member email. You can find that on the TSRA website at tsra.org. And so we are certainly pushing that information out there. And in there, we oftentimes have kind of a call to action of, hey, this hearing is coming up. Please call your state representative call your state senator and and tell them that you support or maybe that you oppose this particular piece of legislation. I will say, you know, traditionally we've asked people to come into the building a lot and people to come walk the halls and have legislative days and getting a lot of face-to-face time with folks in Austin. Obviously not everyone can come into town and do that because they have day jobs and work at home. With that being said, we still have people and our leaders and coming in to testify. I've got some leaders coming in this week to provide testimony in a committee. With all that being said, because you don't have a lot of people walking the halls, we actually have found that we've gotten greater access to the actual legislators this session than we have in sessions past. And you can access a lot of them through Zoom or via the phone. And we actually were on a Zoom call with Senator Ted Cruz yesterday, talking through a lot of issues, you know, reflecting back on Winter Storm Uri and, and how they can help, you know, the Texas cattle industry. And that's something that we've utilized a lot with our state representatives and state senators as well. And so all of the listeners here, you are constituents of two legislative offices in Austin, at least a Senate office and a state representative office. And so when you see some of these issues that you may get an email about, read in our blog post here on this podcast, and and you feel strongly about it, we urge you to reach out to those offices, weigh in with their staff, but also they're very eager to schedule meetings and have you know, a Zoom webinar type format to just sit down and speak with you and they're eager to do so. So we strongly urge all of the listeners here today to please try to stay engaged with your elected officials. You are their constituent. What you say does very much matter to them. That is very helpful to know and great information. As our entire conversation has been today, Caleb, we appreciate your time. It's helpful to hear directly from you from the boots on the ground in Austin. Well, thank you very much for having me and thank you for what you and all of your listeners do providing, you know, that high quality, nutritious food source for everyone because that is a phenomenal story to tell over at the Capitol and makes our job that much easier. So we appreciate you and all the listeners for what you do as well. Thank you again to Landvisor from Corteva AgriScience for sponsoring this episode. And as always, to learn more about TSCRA, visit tscra.org.